0: All right, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, like I said, we're going to have kind of a, a shorter study than we usually do on Sunday afternoons uh, since uh, we usually have the, the singing and whatnot after the fellowship meal, but Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to talk about a very important word um, in the Old Testament that comes up numerous times and it. And it this word really, it kind of, it kind of became the, 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 the battle cry, if you want to call it that. It became the motto of the Israelite nation, okay? So, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them to your children, uh, diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. This idea of "hear, O Israel," it's it's the word, the Hebrew word "shema." Okay, shema. Now, this word, it's just it, this word goes into you can. Kind of nerd out on this word all you want. In fact, this past week I spent the on the uh, time on the phone with one of my friends, and we studied because there's an issue with LXX, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, about this passage Deuteronomy six verses four through six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And you shall teach this to your children. You shall talk about it when you walk so forth. The the Greek translation that the that the that the early Greek Jews made of this passage, has a lot of extra words in it. And I didn't know why. And I got so confused. Because I was trying to translate it, because I know Greek, and so I was trying to translate it, but I was coming up with with conversations about Israel, and how Deuteronomy 6 had something about how God took them out of Israel. But that's not in the Old Testament text. And the, the passage where it says that you shall bind them and they shall be a frontlet between your eyes. The Jews, what they would do is they would take Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, and they would write it down on a piece of paper. They'd roll it up. Have you all ever seen like lockets that hold like a love note? They had those, but the Jews would wear it between their eyes. So it would dangle right here. I'm sure it was very attractive looking. A little locket type thing that would dangle between their eyes and it would have the Shema written in it. The LXX, the reason why I was so confused, and in fact, when I was sitting at the coffee shop, Gus came in and he said, I could have stole all your stuff. And I said, sorry, I'm confused. He said, what are you confused about? And I told him and he said, that is way too much information for me. But the reason I was confused is because we we actually have the text, the little piece of paper that some Jewish man wrote down put in his locket, and put between his eyes. And the people that translated the LXX used that. This, Just imagine this Jewish man writes the Shema down on a piece of paper, and he writes a bunch of other stuff. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, because he took you out of Egypt. He writes his own little commentary on it, you know? You know how you may have in your house, you may have things that you bought at Hobby Lobby or something like that that have Bible verses on them, right? It's the same kind of thing. This, this, You can just imagine this old Jewish man's writing this down and he adds some of his stuff in there to remind him. And he rolls it up and puts it in his frontlet between his eyes and he goes on about his business. And thousands of years later, they find this little piece of paper that this man wrote and translate it into Greek and it becomes the LXX, the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is important because what the passages that Jesus would have read Some of the passages that Jesus would have read, some of the passages that Paul would have read, would have been the old Jewish man's little writing of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. And so, this passage, the Shema, the Jews said that this was supposed to be repeated every morning before before 9 a.m. So every day when they woke up, the third hour of the day, every day they woke up before 9, they would say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And they would say it over and over, and it became kind of the motto of the Israelite nation. Now, the issue is, there's there's some there's some something that's missed in our translation because we hear here, and we just think, yeah, you're supposed to listen to the God, to God, right? You're supposed to you're supposed to hear what He has to say. But to the Jews, this word meant Not only just here, not the passive act of, you know, vibrations like J.D. screaming his lungs off, hitting your, your, your eardrums. This meant much more. So, for instance, look at Genesis chapter 29. Flip over there. Genesis chapter 29. Verse 33. Genesis 29, verse 33 she conceived again now this is this is Rachel okay let's draw, jump back to verse 31 when the lord saw that leah was hated sorry leah not Rachel he opened her womb but Rachel was barren and leah conceived and bore a son she called his name Reuben and she said because the lord has looked upon my affliction so now or for now my husband will love me she conceived again and bore a son and said because the lord has heard that i am hated he has given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon or Simon or Simone. Leah said that the Lord had shemad her, heard her. The word meant to hear and to do something because of it. In fact, the Hebrews didn't even have a word for obey. Okay, so when we hear when we when we hear the Old Testament saying things like. You should hear God. You should listen to God. They didn't have a word for obey. So when you told your son or your daughter in Hebrew, did you hear me? That meant, did you obey me? Have y'all ever said that to your kids before? Did you hear me? And they go, "Uh uh-huh. Why didn't you do it? Well, I heard you, but I didn't get... No. To the Jews, if you said, did you hear me? Did you shema me? That meant you should have listened to me as well. You can't hear without obeying to a Jew. And so when they say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, what they're saying is, we need to do something because of this. We need to live like the chosen people of God because the Lord is one. Because we are bound to love Him with all our heart, soul, strength, and might. It even goes farther In, uh, in Matthew chapter 22. The, the man comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what is the great commandment? And he says, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great first and great commandment. And the second is like to it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus understood that the Shema was the essence of the entire Old Testament. That we should love Him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And that's why it became... The the biggest, the greatest commandment, as it were. Now, this idea of, of hearing and doing something comes up later. Because in Matthew 13, when Jesus says that I tell them parables, I speak in parables. Because hearing, they don't hear. They weren't it's as if Jesus is using the illustration that God gave us ears so that we could obey Him. He gave us our life so that we could obey Him. So hearing, they do not hear. So they don't shema, they don't obey. And I give you parables to give the give the essence of it, to give the illustration of what I'm trying to teach you, so that you can actually... Because Jesus understood that the law of God was not just some academic means of of higher learning, he understood that the law of God was applicable. And so he gave parables. Like, just think of any of the parables. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, right? The kingdom of God is like the dragnet. The kingdom of God is like this or like that. The kingdom of God is like when the man had a feast, when the king had a feast and he tried to get everybody to come in and they wouldn't come in. And he said, fine, if you don't want to have anything to do with it, that's fine with you. You do whatever you want to do but we're going to we're going to have a feast. He used those parables to get them to shema to hear and to listen and to obey. And that that's why when they when the Jews said hear O Israel when they said the shema what they were trying to instill in their heart is that they were to obey. Now, remember what we talked about in Bible class this morning that we hear we believe and we obey the New Testament gospel, right? And sometimes the passages may say something like, if you believe with all your heart, you will be saved. You and your household. What he told the Philippian jailer. There are other passages where say where it says if you hear the gospel. If you hear it, yeah. Because if you hear it, if you hear God and you're using what he gave you for the purpose he gave you to use it, you're going to obey him. That's, that's the purpose of mankind. And I just thought this was a little interesting study uh, for us to go through because later on in the New Testament, this idea of hearing starts to, to bring in ideas of fruits of righteousness. How are we going to stand before God and say, Yeah, God, I heard you. I, I didn't have any fruits, but I, I heard you. That's not what the word means, to hear. That's not how God used the words. In fact, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, am sorry, verse 6, which has come to you, the, the gospel has come to you as indeed to the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. It also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. That means to understand grace means to obey the New Testament. You can't understand grace if you're not a Christian. Because to the world, grace is just unmerited favor. Have you all ever heard that, that definition before? Unmerited favor? That's a wonderful little, you know, get it out the door. What's the definition of grace? Well, it's unmerited favor. But to the Christian, unmerited favor means a lot more to us, doesn't it? Because when we take the Lord's Supper... We're reminding ourselves of what Jesus did. It's not just, oh, God took care of us when we needed taken care of. It was God died on the cross for us. And it's hearing that gives us that understanding. Without obeying God, you don't understand what grace means. You have no idea of of anything that happens when someone is, is saved until you've actually gone through it yourself and you've realized and you've recognized the changes that happens before and after it's not miraculous but there's something that changes in our mindset when we're baptized all of us that have lived lives that you know you're ashamed to talk about i mean i don't know if y'all are like that but like uh you're looking at someone who is ashamed to talk about what it was like before i was a christian something changes the minute you become a christian Because you finally understand what grace is. You finally understand what God has been saying. I grew up listening to the scriptures. I grew up going to services at some church, regardless of what denomination it was. We were there almost every Sunday growing up. And we bounced around from church to church to church to church to church. And Becca, one time, I was going through a list of all the churches that I had gone to in Arab growing up. And Becca said, What in the world? Sorry, we went to everything. I mean, we went everywhere. Somebody said, "You don't know what it's like to be Episcopalian." Yeah, I was that for six months. Yeah, I've been everywhere. Okay, something changes because until you've obeyed it, it's just something you do. It's just you know, check the box, you're good. It's just a it's an academic thing. Yeah, I, I know Jesus lived and died, but what are you doing Friday night? You know what I mean. And then you become a Christian and it immediately changes. That's what conversion is. What the Jews were doing when they repeated the Shema every morning before 9 a.m. was instilling in them the mindset of a converted Christian. They didn't know it. But that's what we do when we take the Lord's Supper. The Shema is a perfect illustration of what the Lord's Supper does each week for us. It instills in us what God has done. Now, back to that little frontlet that the man wrote. Remember that I said, on his, it said something to the effect of, I didn't get done translating the Greek because I got so confused when I saw Egypt that I was, wait a second, what's going on? This is not, I started thinking I'm looking at the wrong verse. My Bible translation is messed up. I've got the, my application is crashing. I didn't know what was going on. I called my friend and he said, no, it's showing up in mine too. Just go back to that guy. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. I shall love the Lord my God with all my soul, with all my strength and with all my might because he brought us out of the land of Egypt. Christian. I'm going to take the Lord's Supper because it reminds me of what my God did for me and it instills in me the mindset of a converted Christian. It shows me the grace of God. The Shema is very important. If you want to repeat it, I don't think that'd be a bad thing every morning. Wake up and say it. Jesus said it's the first and greatest commandment of the Old Testament. And as Christians, we don't live by the Old Testament in doctrine, but we live by it in example. We live by it in principle, because the principles and examples that they laid down in the Old Testament are things that we need to learn as Christians. Maybe it's a good thing if we quote it but regardless of whether or not we quote it or anything else I'd love to see someone write it down on a little piece of paper and put it in a locket and show up to church next week with it between your eyes I'll give you five dollars if you do that anyways but regardless of that let's think about the Lord's Supper in the same way that it reminds us of what grace really is because the gospel brought the grace and if we've heard the gospel we understand grace but you can't hear it without obeying it. So if you want to become a Christian this afternoon, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you if you want to be baptized. If you're a Christian and you need prayers, um, I I, I always feel strange offering the invitation to Christians because we should know, right? We should be at the point in our maturity where we know that if I need help, I can ask for prayers. But a lot of us forget that. And so if you need prayers, uh, you need help, you need help through some sin, sin situation, We need prayers for public sin. Please let us know while we stand and sing this song.